The Internet of Things will save the world. Welcome to this week's Wireless Noodle. It's been quite an extended gap since the last episode. Uh, things are pretty busy here at Transformer Insights Towers. I'll talk today about a few things we've been doing in the last couple of weeks. I particularly want to share details on a major piece of work we did on the environmental impact of new technologies, hence my comment right at the start. Uh, plus a few bits of news that caught my eye. My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. Back in April, we published a report we'd compiled in conjunction with 6G World and Interdigital, looking at the impact of disruptive technologies on the environment. And I'm pleased to report it's largely positive, particularly the Internet of Things, which is, of course, ever close to my heart. According to that study, by 2030, IoT deployment and its disruption of various industries is expected to save more than eight times the energy it consumes. It will also save uh, something like 230 billion cubic metres of fresh water and will eliminate one gigaton of CO2 emissions. The report, which is called Sustainability in New and Emerging Technologies, I will put a link on the Wireless Noodle website, explores the impact that those new and emerging technologies will have on electricity, fuel and water usage, CO2 emissions and e-waste. The report looks at the incremental impact of those new technologies by examining the resource impact of enterprise and consumer technologies compared to a world without it. Uh, key findings from the report reveal that by 2030... IoT solutions will reduce electricity consumption by more than 1.6 petawatt hours. Now, if you're not too sure what a petawatt hour is, join the club. Uh, but that's enough electricity to support over 136 million homes in terms of their energy use for a year. The report also found that IoT's net effect on fuel consumption will reach a yearly 3.5 petawatt hour reduction of hydrocarbon fuel. IoT devices and emerging technologies will conserve nearly 230 billion cubic metres of water. 35% of this impact will result from improved smart water grid operations. And the rest is mostly down to agricultural applications like crop management and remote pest control. Considering the manufacturing of new and emerging technologies, IoT is expected to increase global electricity use by 34 terawatt hours. So it's not all benefit. Obviously, there's a cost to producing those IoT devices, and that weighs in at 34 terawatt hours, but obviously significantly lower than the benefits. And IoT will result in an additional 53 terawatt hours of fuel used for the distribution and deployment of solutions. So you've got to get the IoT devices to the places where they're going to be used as well. We also have to admit, of course, that the distribution and deployment will also generate some incremental e-waste. These are more electronic devices going out into the field, including additional hardware per device and increased levels of device shipments. The overall impact will be more than 657,000 tonnes of e-waste. 
IoT solutions will collectively enable one gigaton benefit in CO2 emissions. And the impact of CO2 emission is notably lower in regions that have a greater representation of renewable energy in their generating profile. So, for instance, saving electricity in France, where almost all electricity is generated by nuclear, is not such a benefit compared to savings in Germany, where much more of it is based on coal. The report also digs into the difference between enterprise and consumer use. Now, enterprise IoT capabilities are typically incorporated if they increase efficiency or produce a net economic benefit, often in the form of reduced electricity, fuel or water consumption. So for enterprises, IoT is often particularly stimulated by demands for being more efficient. Conversely, connected consumer devices dominate IoT and have a considerable sustainability impact because they typically consume more electricity than their non-connected counterparts. In consumer solutions, IoT capabilities are typically added to improve the user proposition and tend to be net electricity consumers. Some IoT-enabled solutions like HVAC systems, building automation, smart lighting and so on all generate sustainability benefits, more or less regardless of whether they're deployed in a consumer or an enterprise context. And typically, there will be the most impactful electricity-saving applications, along with smart electricity grid. Net energy consumers versus those that generally save, so net electricity consumers include consumer IoT solutions like CCTV, uh, audiovisual equipment, personal assistance robots. The most impactful IoT solutions in terms of fuel saving will be road fleet management of vehicles and delivery vans, accounting for about 37% of fuel savings by IoT solutions of all kinds. I mean, that makes sense, right? If what you're looking at is what saves fuel, well, more efficient routing of vehicles is the most obvious application. Beyond energy saving, we think about water saving. Water scarcity was listed in 2019 by the World Economic Forum as one of the largest global risks in terms of potential impact over the next decade. And a small number of IoT applications, mostly in the agriculture sector, will result in net savings of 230 billion cubic metres of water in 2030. Turning to other emerging technologies, those that aren't based on IoT-connected devices, it's much more of a mixed bag. Two clear groupings emerge when analysing carbon dioxide impact. And really, carbon dioxide impact combines both electricity and fuel impact into a single measure. So it's a, it's a simple way of thinking about it. At the use case level, it's the most widely adopted, processing intensive, non-IoT enabled applications that are intended to improve compliance or reduce risk that are most costly in terms of net CO2 emissions. Things like fraud detection which accounts for 0.67 megatons of net CO2 emissions in 2030, risk analysis and threat detection. All very valuable from an end-user perspective, but they're process-intensive tasks and therefore using up resources and using up fuel to run them. And they generally achieve very little in the way of a tangible result, certainly from a sustainability perspective. 
Conversely, uh, some applications of non-IoT technologies are significantly beneficial in terms of net CO2 impact. The most beneficial use cases tend to evolve interaction with real-world physical processes. For instance, what we term X as a service, that could be infrastructure as a service, product as a service, potato sorting as a service, I think I've spoken about on a previous podcast, that accounts for 2.6 megatons of net CO2 emission savings in 2030. And that includes the proactive and preemptive maintenance of assets to ensure they operate efficiently and don't break down. This saves on remedial maintenance trips, uh, improved condition monitoring of the assets, enables more maintenance to be undertaken during routine service visits, and so on. Things like inventory management, uh, transportation optimization, supply chain audit, all include some way of improving the efficiency of physical distribution networks, and so also help with reductions in fuel use. What's particularly interesting is that investment in new technologies tends to result in costs in terms of electricity consumption to power the solution, often offset by some level of savings in terms of electricity consumption, but more significantly savings in terms of hydrocarbon fuel consumption. This is an important dynamic, since it's much easier to source electricity from sustainable sources than it is to source hydrocarbon fuel from sustainable sources, i.e. the simple substitution of hydrocarbon fuel consumption with electricity consumption is beneficial in itself from a sustainability perspective. Lots of great stuff going on with IoT and various other disruptive technologies in terms of helping to save the planet. It's been a fair few weeks since we had a last podcast, so I'm not going to dwell too much on what's been in the news because it's not spectacularly new anymore. But a couple of things did jump out. A couple of surveys. The first one was that research suggests that 84% of CEOs agree that AI-based decision-making must be explainable in order to be trusted. I'll put a link to the article from Tech Native on the Wireless Noodle website. But I think... Here's the thing. I feel like we've covered this already. We've covered this already on the podcast, but more generally, we've covered this already in, in the space. AI decisions need to be explainable. This is not a matter for debate. This is decided. Regardless of what those other 16% of CEOs might think, this is a done deal. Another area. Slightly worrying survey results from Ubisense News about industrial IoT adoption, which was put under the headline IoT not fulfilling its promise, which obviously doesn't bode well. 43% of manufacturers don't see value in IoT compared to 29% a year ago, which I think is crazy, particularly after a year of COVID. The number not seeing value in remote monitoring and managing of assets increasing over the course of that year. Perhaps it's because everybody made the leap and there was a whole chunk of those adopters who really weren't ready, who jumped in without really looking or understanding what they were doing and as a result deployed badly. That's all I can assume. 
It's that COVID has forced the hand of some manufacturers to move much more in the direction of automation before they were ready. In many companies' cases, it's proved the concept much earlier than they might have expected to, which has been good. But in some cases, I guess, just hasn't been reflected in terms of uh, positive experience of adoption. There's another thing which has been doing the rounds in the news recently, which is around uh, the chip shortage. You can't have missed this one if you've been in in technology. And I do wonder uh, whether, well, just to reiterate, it's caused some problems for manufacturers of of hardware, car manufacturers of finding problems, sourcing chips, any kind of consumer electronics manufacturers of finding problems. But I do wonder whether it might not be good news for IoT device vendors. They'll focus attention perhaps on fulfilling orders for higher value gateways and for full solutions rather than pilot high chipsets where the margins are not as good. I'm sure uh, someone will tell me I'm wrong, but supply shortage might mean improved margins and make an easier market to compete against the pilot high sell it cheap merchant. At Transform Insights, we closely track the communication service providers and how they are addressing the IoT market. And we've just updated the CSP IoT connection ranking. And the chart, which I'll link to from the Wireless Noodle website, shows the evolution of the number of connections from 2010 to 2020. But of course, the most important thing is what happened in the year to the end of 2020. The grand total for the accumulated connections of the top 34 operator groups, which account for probably 95 to 99% of the connections in the world, was 1.43 billion, up from 1.27 billion at the end of 2019. That increased 160 million, up 13% over the year. Not too bad, I guess but it's just less than half the growth seen in 2019 in terms of absolute numbers. 2019, we saw a 326 million growth, 34%. So cellular IoT connection growth in 2020 was half it was in 2019. I think that fits in pretty much with what we've seen. Q2, Q3 were particularly slow. Things started to pick up again in Q4. We, in fact, published a report where we looked at some figures quarterly for some of the operators that published those those quarter-by-quarter numbers, and that does seem to be borne out in those those figures. Q4, in fact, was, was buoyant for quite a lot of operators. But the idea that COVID provided some sort of bonanza for IoT in terms of new market opportunities and uh, therefore a requirement for lots and lots of additional connected devices just hasn't been borne out. Connected cars weren't selling. Uh, Smart meter rollouts were delayed because of restrictions on employment and just getting people out and into people's households. So there was a, a significant decrease in some core applications on the demand side. There's also been some supply side issues as well. I mentioned about chip shortages. That's caused some some problems, although not 
massive in IoT, I wouldn't have said. And while we're on the subject of IoT numbers, at Transform Insights, we've just launched a new public forecast highlights page. Again, I will put the link on the website. This provides some high level numbers usable by anybody. If you've got a slide deck, pitch deck, a board pack that you're putting together, you want some IoT forecast numbers to include in there, go see our forecast highlights page, download some data, download some charts, uh, stick it in your slide deck. Or if you're a journalist and you're writing an article and you want a set of forecasts to plonk into your article, feel free to use it. As long as we get credited, we're more than happy for that to happen. And those forecasts, highly granular, covering country by country forecasts for 69 application groups for every country in the world, for technology splits for all of the generations, public private networks, we split by vertical sector. Of course, not all of the granularity is available for free on the forecast highlights page, but some pretty useful stuff is. Something else that's been exciting at Transformer Insights recently is we just wrapped up the Transformer Insights first user group live event at the end of June. We will be posting recordings of all the sessions to the website for user group members and our clients to access. If you're interested in knowing more, I will post the address to the Wireless Noodle blog for how to get access to the user group. Final thought, the future of the internet is perhaps articles written solely by machine learning algorithms and read solely by other AIs for the purposes of further refining their natural language processing capabilities. Have a think about that for a little bit. Certainly NLP is trained on articles. Certainly AI is increasingly used to reproduce the work, not to the same quality, but effectively reproduce the work of journalists. It's happened for quite a long time. A lot of financial reporting is literally a handle-cranking exercise where you put in the financial results of an organisation, turn a handle and out pops a article with the appropriate wording used to describe whether a company was profitable or not, whether revenue was up or down, and so on. I mean, effectively, you could do that with a spreadsheet and and a mail merge, so it's hard to describe as machine learning. But increasingly, articles of rather more substantive nature are being produced using machine learning. So if those NLP capabilities and the machine learning is being trained on what's posted up online, and it's then also producing the content to be posted online, eventually, does it all disappear on it, in on itself? Collapses in on itself like a black hole and to the point where nobody's even reading it. It's just reading itself, reproducing articles. Somebody's paying for advertising because they assume that the web hits are people, but in fact, in reality, they're not. Who knows? Just a thought. Next week, I'll be talking about Nokia's data marketplace offering and how I absolutely love it. Not necessarily because of its features, but just because it's very much in keeping with how I see the market. And a few other interesting things. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, I would be obliged if you could leave a review. It is much appreciated. 
Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com. That's transformer with an A.